Welcome to This Time in History. I'm Matthew, guys, and joining me as always is my better half, my partner in crime, my brand new co-host with the most, and she's amazing tonight, Ebony. Hello. Um, we were supposed to have a Ward 21 debate tonight. Unfortunately, that seems to be a recurring theme where we're not doing the debates, but it's okay because we have something that may even be better. We are going to sit down with Ward 21 candidate, Kiri Vadiv. I'm going to butcher that. Why don't, you know what? I'm going to let you say the name because I'm just going to butcher it. But this is Kiri and he's running in Ward 21 for City Council. Welcome to the show, Kiri. Uh, thank you, Mario. I think uh, you got it, actually. Kiri uh, Vadivelu. Um, I have a habit uh, of I have a habit of butchering names. It go if you listen all the way back to May. I I I don't know what it is. I can't seem to say. Uh, there's a lot of names that that I that I that I butcher. So I do apologize for that. You know you know what? It's it's okay if you butcher my name, but please do not butcher my platform, <laughs> the political platform that I stand on. I'll, <laughs> I'll because... do I'll do my best, but. Why don't we uh, we start off? I always ask the same three questions to my uh, the people I interview, and they are: Why are you running? Why this election? And why now? So go ahead. Absolutely. Actually, I asked myself, how come I got into politics so late? It's the reason is um, uh, I think you might have uh, seen it. Uh, some some of you might have seen it in the news as well. Uh, uh, the uh, you know in the beginning of the pandemic, April 2020, going back, uh, I lost my job. I was a union shop steward at my workplace, uh, and I lost my job. Uh, uh, again, it's related to the pandemic. Uh, I was fighting for the better working conditions and work, worker safety and etc. And I really don't want to go too much into that. Uh, but uh, as a shop steward, I did my part. In the process, I lost my job. Uh, and I uh, then right after that, then my landlord came up to me because I uh, I've been renting in the in the same apartment for ten years. My my family has been living here. We never had any problem. And on the same week when I lost the job, I told my landlord, uh, you know what, I lost my job. We are in this pandemic. I don't know how things are going to go. Let's work this out because uh, I'm not going to have money coming in. So I, I applied for, you know, at the time, uh, EI, because everything was in the, in, the, in the air. So nothing was, server was not present at the time. So um, actually, I, I didn't get that at the time. So, um, so anyways, uh, while that, uh, that was in the air, uh, my house was on the line uh, and I was, I was attacked by my landlord left and right. And my landlord wanted me to, get out of my house, get out of my apartment because I was one of the oldest tenants and I was paying low rent and my, my rent was under the rent control system. So I was paying uh, uh, 11, approximately $1,150 a month for two bedroom apartment. Um, whereas my, uh, the newer folks who were coming into the apartment, uh, into the same building, were paying nearly $2,000 for the same apartment. So uh, obviously there was a great incentive for the landlord to evict me. So landlord did whatever he can to evict me. And uh, uh, I said to myself, I know I'm fighting a good fight. I know I'm, I'm standing on the right side of the history. So I'm going to fight for this. 
So I, I took the fight, landlord refused to uh, agree to a repayment plan. He simply wanted me to leave my apartment. And I took, took this as a challenge and I organized my neighbors. I realized nobody's organizing the building. Nobody's talking about evictions in my building. So I was the first one to talk. So I began talking to my neighbors and we all agreed it's the right thing to do to fight against illegal evictions at the middle of the pandemic. It shouldn't happen. And that sadly, uh, our police and the, and, and, the, and the municipality was on the wrong side. They, they were going after the people who were living in the parks. Uh, and that again, uh, really a dark side of Toronto, which actually shows the really dark side, inhuman side of Toronto. Um, so I was fighting. Uh, and I organized tenants and uh, I was one of the tenant, un tenant union leaders in my building and I'm still now. So uh, we, fought, we fought along and um, some, some, I mean, uh, quite a few, I mean, most tenants was on the same page for, law for, for a while at the beginning, but then afterwards, um, um, obviously, you know, they had, they were not able to keep up the same fight as I did until the end. So they moved out uh, or they, they, you know, they, pretty much agreed to whatever the landlord uh, wanted. So, it, it, but I did not give up. And uh, me and myself and few other tenants, we did not give up. We kept the fight on. And we came, we came to the landlord, I mean, landlord tenant board. And uh, by that time, we already got the support of other community members in my community. And um, that's um, one of the organizations I was heavily involved around that time was Acon Canada. I'm not sure if much of you heard. Yeah. Uh, so wonderful people a great uh, great community and uh, um, they were they were my support because uh, you know the the I, I called him uh, I called him mom uh, the counselor Michael Thompson their office his office and their response was very shameful and not even helpful at all uh, their response was um, uh, unfortunately your matters in front of landlord tenant board there's nothing we could do at this time. That was the dead response I got from Council Michael Council Michael Thompson's office, and that really uh, made me uh, take the fight on my own. And that really, you know, spiked up. And I never thought about politics in my life. I, you know, I completed social science, and I, I was in the, you know, I was going into a different, a different uh, direction. And right now, I'm doing IT. Um, but uh, yeah, and I, I, was in, I, I was never, I never thought of myself uh, going into politics until uh, this tenant union thing, you know, uh, yeah. pulled, pulled me into it. Yeah. So uh, slowly I was getting involved into, uh, into uh, community work. And, uh, and I, that, that's when I realized uh, there's other organizations who are already doing a lot of fight uh, uh, to protect vulnerable people. Uh, so. Uh, that really opened the eyes for me to get involved in my community, and uh, I got involved with uh, uh, with several organizations. One notably, you know, uh, Justice for Workers, uh, and um, um, obviously Econ Canada, and uh, another one uh, is Socialist Action, uh, who actually uh, have a socialist way of, uh, I mean, they, this the socialist way of solving the community problems. So. Um, I was really into that, um, so I got involved, and uh, that's how um, 
uh, I got dragged into the municipal politics and I was actually asked why don't I you know uh, go into uh, go into the public office and run for one uh, I don't know I never thought about it I never wanted to but then I realized there's a real leadership is needed unfortunately uh, a lot of a lot of the, uh, the current status quo leaders uh, they are sellouts and uh, when I say sellout um, they simply get into the public office and then they occupy their space and they pretty much uh, instead of representing the people instead of balancing the inequalities and in inequities um, they pretty much become corporate uh, puppets um, I'm just speaking as it is um, I really don't want to sugarcoat anything. Um, I, I understand so, completely. Yeah. So, uh, so I realized uh, there's a there's a need for real leadership, and there's a need for community representation. And when we look at the Tona City Council, they're all landlords. There's not a single person is a renter. There's a, not a single person is going is actually speaking for tenants, and so how can we have landlords make rules for tenants? Uh, how, how is that, how does it work? So uh, then I, you know, then I see that, you know, I'm a renter, I'm still a renter, and I've been in the city for long enough, and uh, uh, I'm going to speak for tenants, and I'm going to speak for the people who have been uh, fighting to stay home in the pandemic. Uh, when, uh, every, when everybody else, uh, you know, I mean, the, the people in the uh, public office let them down. They are, you know, renters and the people of the working class people, they were let, let down and they had to defend themselves. Uh, and uh, that's what we've seen. And uh, there's a great uprising in our communities right now. Uh, that is something very, very positive that we need to look at because uh, for the longest time, uh, Politically, we were we were not active. Uh, you know, everybody was up to their own thing. Uh, but all of a sudden, now people are talking about politics. People are really looking at what's really happening in our community. And young people are young young people are paying attention uh, into politics. <laughs> that little one. Yeah. So, it it is a really good time in history uh, to fight for justice and to defend the interest of the work working people. If you look at I love how you you almost worked the the title of the podcast into what you just said because we're this time in history. I love that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> See how you did that. Um, listen, I, I love your story, and as a renter myself, and I, I know I I believe Ebony's a renter as well. Yeah. You know, we we understand. I've lived in some not so good places one time i'll tell you a quick story one time i was renting a, a basement apartment of a house and i did something my landlord didn't like i think i i, I you know what i can't remember it wasn't it wasn't that uh on the picture maybe i i can't remember but anyway uh he he cut off uh because I got my own internet and he, he cut it off in the back because he restricted, I wasn't allowed in the backyard, no access. So I jumped the fence and I went to uh, uh, hook it back up. And then he, he told me to get out. And then an hour later, police show up my house and he's there going, Oh, he, he, he punched me. 
and obviously nothing happened because I had roommates and we were all there together. We stuck to our story, but I understand dealing with uh, not so nice landlords. I, I get it. And, and the fact that you want to speak for tenants is great. You know, uh, a lot of people don't like Rob Ford, but he spoke for tenants. He went to people's homes. He looked at, at, at the conditions. And as someone who grew up, grew up in housing, grew up with, you know, problems anywhere from holes in the wall, uh, leaky pipes, rats, mice, roaches. I understand all of that stuff. Um, I wish I didn't, but I do. Um, so I understand that. And uh, it, it's nice. You know, we need, I keep saying this every interview, we need fresh faces. We need new blood. We need fresh ideas on council. Because I think that the one thing that every candidate can agree on, or else you wouldn't be running, is that the status quo is not working. Am I right? Absolutely. And that is, that is uh, the biggest, uh, um, uh, biggest, um, uh, uh, you know, complaint most people have, whether you, whether what type of uh, political platform you stand on, you know, I mean, I come across few folks on the right, folks on the left and folks on the center. Uh, but, you know, we can all agree the status quo cannot serve any longer. And we have reached to a point that our our climate, our, our, um, our you know, social structure is all un unsustainable. Our, what are we going to give it, you know, leave for our children? Right now, right now, we are, explo I mean, our working people are exploited. They're making $15 an hour. And our inflation has gone up so bad that our wages have not kept up at all. And we are growing our children, our, our future generation in poverty. For what? Also, some some corporate uh, corporate CEO can earn fourteen million dollars a year. Why 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 that? I mean, let's look at another example here. Banking. If you don't have money, you, it is it is more expensive to be poor here than than ever be now than ever before. Because if you have money in your bank account, you you can have a free account. But the logic is so reversed that. We don't have a banking for people who, who low-income people, and if you were to look at some some history back in Toronto, we had postal banking, and that's a while back. And the, all the banking industries fought against postal banking because they know that makes that that is a direct competition to corporate profit motivation. Because postal banking provided banking service to people with low income and everybody who needed a service, and they can have bank. They, they, you know, they can have, uh, they can have their banking needs met, and that was completely uh, shut down. And it was back, back in then, while back. So now the the banking is a monopoly, and everything. The way the things are going right now is that a corporate monopoly, and that's how people are being exploited. And now, if you look at it, the minimum wage, the people who are earning the minimum wage have to pay highest rent and have, have to pay whatever the Rogers charge or the bell charge because John Tory, who is one of the board members making over 700K, uh, we don't know why, what he's doing with that money. But um, again, this is the problem, is the, the real, real um, conflict of interest. Why do we have 
public, you know, people who are in the public office directly board members of corporate office or some kind of big corporations. And you know, I, I'm just going to jump in. Uh, you know, that, that stuff's not allowed to happen in the States. I know, I'll, I know a lot of people don't like to talk about, uh, uh, you know, politics in the States, but most recently, you know, when, when Donald Trump was elected president, he had to put everything that he owned into a trust and there, were, there are strict rules with that. Um, I always thought that we had the same kind of policy in Canada, uh, federally, provincially, and municipally, but it's clear that we don't. And we, we desperately need that. We can't have a, a, a prime minister or a premier or even a mayor making decisions for the public at the same time, literally lining his own pocket with a secondary job, that's unacceptable. Um, exactly, and that that then where who are they serving? And and it's a sadly, uh, this is other question that I wanted to ask. Why do we have government in the first place? Why cannot we just have no government at all? The reason we have government is to balance the inequalities, to address the needs of the people. Because they, because we know, in we live in a capitalist society, anyways. Capitalism is always about you know making profit, making more, and that goes against the value of you know social values and principles and humanity. So that's why you know government needs to be there to balance it and put a put a full stop from uh, you know you know uh, to intervene from exploitation. Uh, but unfortunately, that's not how. Uh, you know, people in the corporate, you know, people in the, in the, uh, in the public office think. They think um, running like a bank or running like a corporation is efficiency. It's, it's, it's a completely, uh, how we can phrase it, it's a completely foolish way of thinking that, that you know, that they would have the same interest as a, as a government that want to serve everybody. So it's, um, it, it's just that uh, we are exploited and we are missing, I mean, uh, people are really uh, given misinformation with the intent, uh, with, with the false intents. And that's, that's what bothers me. And there's a lot of misinformation in our, in, our, in our society that we need to really unpack, unravel uh, in order to get the real information. So the, the, for example, I'm, I'm, an, I'm a socialist candidate. So I stand on a socialist platform. As soon as you, you say socialism, uh, folks have a f false understanding of, oh, socialism means everything is free. Well, <laughs> well it just goes to show that, you know, how poorly we are informed about politics. So, um, real socialism is about, uh, you know, having a fair economy that works for everybody. That is what socialism is. So right now is a capitalism that is completely against as the human principles human human values so that's why we need a socialist government to serve the needs of the people and not only in a municipal uh, level but 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 in a provincial and federal level we need we need a government that has that that socialist way of solving problems uh, again going back to the crimes crime is well, hold, is not a police on. problem Hold on, before yep. before we get on to crime, I, I just wanted to ask a couple of questions. So, 
I'm familiar with the 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 socialist platform. Um, kind of. I mean, I've uh, I've had contact with a, a few other uh, socialist candidates. But what I wanted to ask you is uh, the main points. Like, you know, there may be stuff that you and I disagree on. However, I'm I'm not. I'm not the type of person that needs, you know, I need to 100% agree with someone. I firmly believe in the the power to agree to disagree. Um, we can agree to disagree and still work together. And I'm wondering if that's, that's your philosophy, as well as um, uh, I had a really good question. I'm just thinking of that now. Um, you, you know, so, if, so. If I Sorry, go, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yes, I was just going to say, we have two eyes. So as long as, you know, you're bringing, a, bring, you know, adding to the content, I mean, as long as we are you're adding to the subject, I think we cannot do any wrong. So, you know what, disagreement is a growth. It's a, it's a challenge, it's an opportunity to grow. So, yeah, by all means, I like challenges. And then the other thing is, um, you know, we don't see this. It's almost across the board right now. Uh, and it's not because of the election. It's across the board. Our counselors are not accessible. Hell, I don't even know who the counselor is for Ward 1. We had someone appointed until the election. Um, and before that, you know, I, I, I respect the Ford family, but Michael Ford was not available, period. And when I lived in, in Ward 3, I, I'm sorry to do this, but Mark Grimes was not available. And that I, I would assume, and I'd probably be correct, I, God knows I, I'm wrong a lot, but this time I think I'm right, that most of the counselors are not available. They're not accessible to the people who elected them there in the first place. And I'm just wondering, as part of your platform, will you make yourself accessible predicate? Uh, predicated on you uh, winning uh, the Ward 21 seat. Absolutely. And that is, the, that is the key priority because if you are not listening to the people, if you are not accessible to the people, then how are we going to represent the needs of the people? And that is the key. And I also wanted to touch on briefly on, um, on, on something that's happening right now. Uh, since I started the election campaign, uh, my email inbox has been flooding and there's compliments there's support and there's things that i don't even know about some random stuff uh but i am responding responding to every email personally directly that's awesome I'm, not, uh, I'm taking my time and responding to them unfortunately it's taking longer plus i have my baby is 15 months old um congratulations so, thank you i it's have a fatherhood I have three kids myself, uh, a boy or girl, if you don't mind me asking. It's girl. Girl, yeah. yeah. Wait till wait till they turn fifteen. <laughs> well, okay, you know what? I have plenty of time for that. So, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, it's uh, life just kept me really busy. Plus, there's a lot of coding. There's a lot of IT stuff that uh, I need to get through. So that keeps my brain really occupied. And in the meantime, you know, I have to look at all these, you know, all these emails and where to respond and then also continue to, you know, be engaged with the community organizations that I'm already involved with. 
So yeah, I really, I mean, like you, I think I, I really got burned out by right at the beginning of the election. So now I'm actually recovering my energy and um, uh, I, I, sh I should be, I should be launching my website in about a day or two. I mean, in, in a few days, it should be ready. Uh, okay. It would be completely accessible. Um, it, this is again, it's completely done by me and it's done, done in Ontario. So it's a, it's a different structure. It's a jam tag structure that we call it. Uh, it's a modern architecture. Uh, and uh, this is going to be uh, something that uh, uh, we wanted to, I mean, I, I wanted to showcase. I mean, if counselors are coming coming and getting them elected and representing the people, what kind of skill set they're bringing to the table? Uh, you know, like, I mean, I, mean, I, I don't want to attack on anybody, but I'm saying those candidates who are not accessible to the people at the, in the, the middle of the pandemic, I'm wondering what they were doing and, you know, but like, I mean, I was in Etobicoke fighting for uh, some of some of my uh, ACON members who are, uh, who are being evicted in Etobicoke. That was way out of my city. And these are some of the folks that I get to know them because they've supported me during my my uh, my fight against the landlord. So I, I showed them my loyalty. I went up to their city and I was there and the Michael Ford, he was nowhere to be found. And I was I was there. I mean, we had uh, we had even uh, TV was there. I believe city 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 news was there, and it was it was not too far from where he lives, and he was he he didn't show up. And again, that really shows how inaccessible our status quo candidates are, and how where they really lying when it comes to people. And it's it's again it's obvious that we need uh, we need. Uh, people, young, fresh-minded, skilled people in the public office who can navigate through these uh, corrupted practices. Because uh, again, I, I really don't. I mean, I'm I'm new to this space in the political space, so I don't know much. I have to put that on the table. Uh, but I would say I have a lot of experience with my with my community. I've been directly involved in some of the some of the you know grassroots movements and i could say people have the power to change but it's just that we need to mobilize and we need to organize and when we come together uh things change we definitely we, we definitely need the young voters you know um in ward six i believe we have the youngest candidate running in the entire race she's 19 years old she just graduated high school in, in uh the, in june and uh, I hope, I mean, I hope she wins. I'll say it <laughs> um, because, she, you know, young kids are the future and she's already engaging in politics. I I'm excited for her. I'm excited to see what happens in, in your ward. Um, you know, I, I have a few pre-planned topics we, I'd love to pick your brain about. Uh, one thing is crime. I, I'd love to talk about crime. You know, the crime rate in Toronto has always been a little high. Um, I'm wondering what you think maybe is being done wrong, what needs to happen. And, you know, if you have an, if you have an opinion on the, the job that the, the police are doing, I'd love to hear it. Absolutely. I, I would, uh, that's, uh, that is one of the biggest, uh, biggest point in our platform. We say, uh, as a socialist alliance, we say we need to defund the police by 50% at least immediately in order to fund our communities. And we say it boldly and we, we say it strongly. 
and we describe the prescription in our platform going on a line by line analysis on how we can accomplish that right now well and i could i could briefly uh, spoke speak about it that um, uh, we have a really wrong approach when it comes to crimes we still have the mindset uh, we need uh, you know or we need to uh, criminalize everything in order to solve a problem that's not how it works we need to have a system we need to if okay let, let me a little bit further back and say if the punishment do not fit the crime the crime will not change the crime rate or crime crime will crime will continue to evolve we must have punishment i mean the punishment uh, must fit the crime so when i say that i actually wanted to bring an example if you are making 15 dollars an hour and you're getting a speeding ticket of 120 dollars and at the same time if you are making let's say three million dollars uh, three million dollars a year and you're getting a speeding ticket of 120 dollars mm. is it the same effect do we have the same effect absolutely not uh, for for somebody who is making three million dollars a year 120 dollars is nothing but somebody who makes 15 dollars an hour that is a huge threat so we need to have a real system that really punishes the crime equally and we have we have this is a very old system that we are working on and we need to modernize this system and that not only that will fund the police of police itself it will fund the police itself uh, but at the same time that will give more opportunity for our 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 funding i mean our our uh, our public budget to allocate into other programs for example maintaining the schools and to have more building inspectors to have proper building building inspections done can so, i can i can yeah. i just jump in for a second um sure. i don't know if you had something to add ebony but i just wanted to say real quick this this would be an example going back to what we were saying of one of the things that um see i understand the whole defund the police thing but if the so my question would be by defunding the police what's the goal is the goal to uh, move move the funding around or is the goal to uh hold the police accountable because i don't feel like defunding the police holds the the police accountable the only way to hold them accountable is to attack the language that exists in the contracts of the Toronto Police. So much like how the city workers contracts come up every three or four years or whatever it is, the Toronto Police uh, contracts come up as well. And if we could, uh, first of all, take out the jobs for life clause that I almost can guarantee exists in that contract, and then replace it with a I, I don't even know what to call it. I, I, I usually call it a three strikes and you're out and start firing these police officers. So that, and, and, and without, like they wouldn't be able to, to use the union. I, I'm sure you're familiar with James Fursillo, the, 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 the police officer that shot that kid on the streetcar. Did you know that he was getting paid up until his last appeal? So he's already been convicted and he's sitting in jail or wherever he was 
And until his last appeal was heard and denied, he was getting paid by the Toronto police, even though they'll probably tell you he wasn't, he was. And that is unacceptable. It's disgusting, actually. And if you change the language in the contract, we can start firing these police officers. I have nothing against the police. I actually think they do a, a great job. If I had to call out one uh particular division it would be 22 division i think that that division is a mess but there are for the most part police are are, are i mean they're they're good people in my books but there are bad apples everywhere and the only way to get these bad apples is to change the language so we can start firing these police officers and make an example of them and then that holds the police accountable I, I, I'm going to stop talking now, but I'd love to hear what, what you have to say. Um, I think uh, I, I definitely understand uh, uh, your, your side of thinking. Uh, I, at one point, I did think like that, too. Uh, but uh, like, I, I mean, you know, me getting involved with the union and uh, getting into both sides of their uh, coin, um, I find that it's, it's a bit like if we, we just have to zoom out a bit what it is that um, the policing is a culture and the policing is a is a system that we cannot reform the reason is they're structured in a certain way uh to operate uh in a, in a, in a, in a in a with the certain conditions so uh, our society has modernized but the policing is not modernized so in order for us to modernize the police, we need to uh, modernize the way that we solve crimes in the community. That's why I'm, I was looking at the other example. It's like punishment has to fit the crime. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that is again, one of, the, one of the best ways to take forward because that's not something uh, revolutionary new. It's already been practiced in other parts of some parts of the Europe. Uh, so it, you know, it's, it works. So that's why it's one of the key points that we, as a part of the Socialist Alliance platform, that we included that uh, after after uh, pretty long debates. Um, so uh, it's a um, problem with uh, policing is is a culture. I mean, I understand. Like, I mean, I have now I have a family member who's who's a cop with he's with the <laughs> London Police Services. Um, you know, the individual, it's not the individual that the problem is. It's, it's just that the organization and the, the culture that need, to, that need to be changed and that need to be held accountable. In order for us to do that, we need to strike where it hurts. Where that hurts is the funding. If we strike them with the funding, not only that we can hold them accountable, but we can also use the funding to provide other, other services that are lacking. One of the ways that we we think we see that we always like to, I mean this is how it works right it's like if you keep doing the same thing over and over you shouldn't be expecting a different result we cannot just increase the police budget and lower their social uh, you know social programs and and defund the social programs and then expect better results it doesn't work like that we just have to the other way around defund the police and fund the social programs things will be different the reason we cannot uh, reason most of the councillors stay on the side of to increase the police budget is because policing police agency is is um, in in a uh, in a socialist view I would say that um, they're 
their masters, you know, they, they are pretty much um, tools of their owner class. You cannot change the owner class, I mean, change the tools of the owner class because owners want, when I say owners, we, we are pretty old workers, so we are working class. We have the class differences. So we are working class people. We have the same needs. Most of us pretty much have the same needs and same wants and needs. But where's the owner class? They have different needs. They have different protection. They need different, you know, different things. And their favorite tool is police because police will protect them under all circumstances. Uh, because for owner class, we are the enemy. Working class people are the enemy. But uh, unfortunately, the police is a working class. Uh, um, working class, um, they belong to a working class, but we call them traders of working class because they work for the owner class and they, you know, they, they represent the interests of the owner class. And that's exactly what happened, why it happened when, uh, when uh, the people in the Lambert Stadium was beaten, brutally beaten and got removed from the parks. That, that really struck me very hard. That's when I started saying that we must defund the police and there's because the police board had an opportunity to say, no, we will not beat people. We will not uh, remove people because we have a pandemic. And police could have done that, but they did not do that. They instead got along with the request of the councillors who wanted to make the Toronto, I mean, who wanted to make the Toronto, you know, pretty. For what? People don't have place to stay. They wanted to, you know, and what they did was even the worst thing was they didn't even provide housing to people. Now the affordable housing is over 10 years wait. And these people, uh, those, those people who are fighting uh, for better housing accessibility, uh, and you know, they were not only, they were labeled, labeled uh, with all these names you can think of, uh, but they were brutally beaten, they were degraded. And you know, that, that really hurts because if you think about it, if they can treat poor people you know, people who are houseless that way. The next thing is us working class people. How far are we from, there's more, there's more in connection, more in common with working class people and the and people on the street than the working class people and the people in the, uh, people in the public, in the public office. So we must, we must, under all circumstance, people, working class people must align with the needs of the needs of our community. And that's why we need to have, um, we need to have people in the public office that has, uh, you know, that's why I would, say, I would say, you know, adequate experience in the community. They have to come from the crossroads. They have to know the people. They have to know, you know, they have to have, you know, uh, what is it? Uh, the sensitiveness to understand the people and to care for the people. If they don't, we have, you know, they, they, they will only end up creating a system that um, you know just uh, degrade humanity, and this is that this is it. You know that's the system. You know that kind of system. Uh, you know violence and uh, the violent way, violence. You know the violent way of thinking is two hundred years ago. That's all done. We live in a time we can think peacefully. We can act peacefully, and every decision we make. Uh, you know have real consequences and the political violence must stop now and only way for if and without stopping the political violence we cannot solve social problems we cannot address the needs of the people the, the, the really rotten violent way of solving problem 
It's, to me, it's disgusting. Ebony, I'd love to hear uh, anything you want to add and, and uh, you can tag in for the next uh, topic if you like. Sure. Well, um, this guy, you know, uh, you've got so many great points, Gary. In fact, um, you pretty much took the words right out of my mouth where I was going to mention defunding the police like at least by half and allocating the money back into the community in terms of like after school programs. You know, um, how to reduce crime without reducing, I mean, increasing the amount of officers sitting around double-faced in parking lots, as, as so many people like to mention. And that would be one, a really great place would be after school programs, um, community drop-in centers, you know, food bank programs, um, a lot of, you know, maybe apprenticeship programs or something, or, you know, workshops for youth directly looking to go into the workforce, you know, resume building skills, um, what do you call like health workshop classes so they can get their OSHA certification or their forklift license, little things like that. I think that would keep keeping those youth off the streets and unarmed would be a great way to start. Another, and I like to mention it only because I used to be a huge, you know, architecture head is urban planning and like design. So for neighborhoods that are, you know, already slotted for um, re, uh, what do you call, Rebeautification, or you know, um, kind of treatment, um, more well lit lighting, and um, getting more cameras and lighting in those back alleys. So many, so much of Toronto is based on like main streets, and then you got the laneways in the back where we all park cars. And the amount of crime that goes on in those neighborhoods, I mean, in those back alleys, is you know alarming. Especially being a female um, walking home after dark is you know horrifying. So I think if we put a lot more money into the neighborhoods themselves, that the people who live in those communities might be able to help us bridge the gap in a more friendly manner. I'm a huge advocate for grassroots, um, like neighborhood watch programs. Um, I myself also, when I lived at Weston, I took it upon, you know, um, me and some of the, a couple of the other uh, tenants, we did a tenant association there just to try and um, bridge the gap between our conversation and you know the landlords because they didn't really want to talk to all of us so we kind of set up a you can't ignore us because we're having a protest type thing but um if you give people the tools i feel like a lot of the time the community will rise to the occasion and help advocate for itself the community will tell you what it needs the best and uh to put money and reinvest it back in the communities i think is the way we need to go because when we invest that money in the police officers helping uh, hoping that they are going to um, address these same community issues. Um, I feel like they're still coming at it the same hard-handed way they always have. And um, from a child protection standpoint, um, taking children and institutionalizing them criminally by putting them in the system at a young age and labeling them that way pretty much dead assures that they are going to continue a gang-related lifestyle that they're going to, um, as soon as you label them that, it, it kind of damages their chances for graduating, for getting a, a stable job, for moving out of the hood. And it's unfortunate, you know, a lot of, um, anyone who survives the hood and leaves, you know, they don't stay around for them to be walking down the street and talk to the kids. Um, what was the last uh, candidate we had yesterday who was talking about, he wants to see more foot patrol. And I, th I think that's a good way to do it. If we have more police involvement, I'd like to see less cruisers, and more foot patrols and bicycle police officers so that they can be more friendly and get to know the neighborhood on a one-to-one -one basis. Um, I think you, you did pretty well there. I'm, I'm glad to hear 
you know, your thoughts on crime. And I think that leads us right into like, you know, we, you did touch, but you went everywhere and I loved it. Um, touch again on the housing crisis and the unhomed, like um, what do we do with all of them? I mean, from a political standpoint, it's, um, it's a money problem, right? Where are we gonna build more affordable housing? We're giving all the land away to condo developers. Do we need any more condos? I don't, I don't think we need any more condos. <laughs> can I, um, can I jump in? Yes, yes, course, yes. Yeah. We do not have money problem. We have a lot of money. Toronto is one of the richest city. Mm-hmm. It's just that mismanaged money is put in the wrong places. That sure. is why, that is why we have this crime continuously, you know, the social problems are labeled as crimes. And I I see it very through a different lens. We have to we have to redefine the problem. The sh- crime is a social problem. It it is it is a collective responsibility of the community. It's not just a police responsibility. It's not just a, a, you know just a law that has to preserve. I mean uh, protect the protect the um, protect the society. No law is just one tool that protects the society. The community is should be self sustainable. In order for a community to be self sustainable, you need to have the basic needs met. We have the the premix, uh, I don't remember the law. I mean, the, the basic premises of what is that name? Oh, and it's not coming to my head. The basic necessity. If you have the basic necessity met, so it makes uh, the life of crime unnecessary. It, like, who, who wants to? You know, who wants to pursue a life of crime and to be worried about you know uh, cops getting car, you know, taking their doors? Nobody wants to. Nobody wants to live like that. I think it's it's completely. The reason is because we uh, we let that that kind of system uh, exist is because we don't want to pay you know uh, living wage to the parents. If the parents are not getting paid the living wage, and uh, the kids are kids are not being taken care of, uh, and uh, and we tie down the teachers now. I mean we underfund the school system. That uh, that again really hurts because. We are putting the money in the wrong places, and what do what do we do? We have a lot of money, and we just made the, made the, you know few people rich. And so, if you were to look at it, the reason the inequality is rising, there's people getting extremely rich, and there are people getting extremely poor. The inequality is is really widening. The reason is the capitalist system. The capitalist system has too much influence in our public office. And right now, if you were to think about it, the good, I'm glad that you point, pointed out a good point that actually Akon did a really good research on finding out how many counselors were interested, you know, had uh, corporate money in their hands. Um, so uh, it is uh, it is pretty shameful. And, you know, like uh, Matthew mentioned earlier, it should be illegal. It should be a crime, but it's not. You know, they can, uh, they can just, you know, uh, someone can just pretend, oh, you know what, I'm going to fund you a campaign. Uh, so I'm going to pay you this much money. And uh, you know they, they, you know they have an un, uh, unspoken word of agreement, and they operate that way. And that is the problem. It's good. that is why we have this problem continue to exist. If you were to put it this way, this is uh, this is again uh, going a little bit off the off the topic, but I really want to mention this way. I, I really want to bring this point. It's like if people have money in their hands, what would they do? They would spend it in the local businesses. They would spend it in their communities. They would spend it on themselves, their children. But what's happening when landlords have money, what do they do? They go invest in also, right? They go invest in things, you know, that doesn't, that take, they take the money from the community and they take it elsewhere. But we have a lot of money in, in Toronto. 
first of all we have a lot of money in toronto we need to manage the money properly and number two we need to keep the money in toronto toronto's money should be spent in toronto's local businesses and when we keep so much money to the, i mean when we have 15 dollar minimum wage and then rent is twice you know rent is now what almost two thousand dollars for a two-bedroom apartment and people are paying two you know paying rent with two paycheck to pay rent and when they do that they have no money for local businesses what our local businesses suffer because people don't have money to spend and i'll also share one more thing about walmart when walmart come to a community they operate almost five years without making any profit they operate actually in a loss and what do they do in the process they eradicate all small businesses and eventually they become the monopoly and they rule the community and this is again it is an open secret and it we we like we need to we need to change we change the structure and we need to change the way it's going because if we don't have the socialist way of you know solving problems we are going to have crime is not going to go down people are not going to be you know um, happy and people are going to be broke and people are going to be really unhappy and angry and we are going to have really uh, you know uh, we cannot have a harmony in society when we have you know two different extremes that's what i'm going to get at so that is that is where we need to see the problem differently we need to redefine the problem we need to uh, we need to address address in a way that that address the masses the main mainstream people instead of just you know making money for the shareholders and few corporate heads and that culture need to end and i will also add on one one more point among this i'm not sure if you're running a lot of time but i mean you guys got me excited um it's um uh we you know elections come and go but the status quo remains we have in the municipal elections we only have less than one third of the people actually go out and vote why that is it's not it's not people do, you know don't want to vote people have interest in what I mean, they they want to vote but they just given up because nothing works our electoral system is hijacked by capitalist class when I say capitalist class, the you know corporate interested interested uh, big corp, I mean the big corporations, and they, they have they have full control over our public office. So how can we have these these public servants actually uh, you know balance the inequalities when they have so much interest in the in the in the um, in the corporate uh, corporate world? In, well, there's a couple uh, of there, <clears throat> there's a couple of uh, of issues. Uh, first of all, you know we're following the provincial election and i think that people still have ptsd from the provincial election so there's there's that and the second thing is you're right people they give up because but what they don't understand is their vote still counts i know they're being told yeah it's my vote it's just one vote it doesn't count but it, it does count and you know I, I i use this example a vote for john tory is a vote for John Tory, but a person who does not vote is also a vote for John Tory. And if the whole point of this municipal election is to get a new mayor whose name is not John Tory, then everybody has to vote. 
I just want to remind my listeners because I didn't say that at the, at the top of the episode, guys, voting day is October 24th and early voting opens October 7th to the 14th. Get out and vote. I'm a firm believer that the only way to affect change is to be part of it. Um, we want you guys to be part of it. Status quo is not working. We know it. Uh, Ebony knows it. Kiri knows it. So let's get out and let's vote and let's affect change. Um, Kiri, I, I want to like, I'm so I'm blown away. I, I want to thank you so much for coming on and doing this interview. I, I'm, I'm blown away. Like, I'm going to have to go back and, and rethink some things. Like, it's, it's amazing the way that, um, you know, because I mean, it's not a secret. There are, are parts about the, the, the socialist lines that I, that I don't agree with. However, the way that you've worded it and stuff like that, maybe, maybe it, it wasn't explained to me right the first time. So I, I'm going to go back and, and, and think about some things. And um, I know you said your website wasn't up yet, but um Tell, tell tell us about your website uh, when it's going to be available so people can can look at it and and anything else you want to add. Oh uh, yes, um, uh, currently we have Socialist Alliance website. We have um, uh, we have about ten candidates who are pretty much socialist candidates at, uh, for, for, who are running on the uh, municipal socialist platform. Uh, so we have a dedicated website for all the candidates that is uh, socialistalliance.ca. Um, so are uh, they in, in the socialistalliance.ca that we have the program, the platform, individual biography, we have all the information available for public. Uh, we also have candidates have their own website. So I'm working on my own website, which I should be able to publish it in about two days to maximum three days, should be able to have more, uh, more uh, uh, in-depth in information about uh, my platform. Um, but the main mainstream, our socialist platform is already up. And uh, it is, uh, you would be surprised the way that uh, um, uh, it was put together. Uh, if you look at a few words, you'll be like, oh, no, it doesn't work. But then if you start reading it, it will make sense. And that's, that, you know, that's where we stand, right? We socialists, we stand on bold, strong policy to affect change. We run on a principle. We don't, you know, we are not like, you know, we are not the candidates who will say anything to get votes. No, we have a strong principle that we stand on, we strive for, and we are going to affect change. And uh, we we know we know the change is coming, but it's just that we don't know when. So the change is in already in the air. Um, so I am uh, really passionate about uh, my community and especially looking at uh, my community. It's, uh, you know, it's we, we, majority of people are working class, Filipinos, uh, Tamils, um, Chinese community, black community. Uh, and, uh, you know, our community needs proper representation. We have more than 50% of the people in my, in, in my ward are renters. Uh, pretty much it's just it's, it's roughly about the same average, uh, you know, in other parts of the city in Toronto. But, you know, there's no representation in, in the city council. So that would be a real change and that would be a real representation for tenants. Um, so that that's why one of the reasons uh, I'm in this and I am really uh, putting myself forward uh, for to represent the people uh, uh, on, the, on the render side. And not only that, uh, we, uh, when, when we, I mean, I know I talk, really talked about the landlords, but we also have to look at it this way. Uh, we, majority of the people actually who actually end up voting are landlords. 
we have landlords who actually uh, do the majority of the works. And there's a, there's a saying that renders don't work, but it's not true. People that have just given up, uh, but um, landlords, they have to, oh, they, I mean, they have, the, they have, you know, what, the, what we need to understand is uh, our platform is not anti-landlords. It is also landlord friendly, if you were to think about it. We are, we are putting for a sustainable future, sustainable system that would actually work that would actually work for everybody. So if we have less crime in society, it's good for it's, it's good for everybody. If we have good social programs, it's good for everybody. So the programs that we are putting forward is not not just uh, not 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 always not all of them are anti landlords. This is again that's again false thinking. Uh, but the, our programs are for everybody that who is going to benefit from it. Well, I can't wait to see your website when it's finally up. Ebony, do you have anything to add before we uh, get off here? I was wondering, maybe you could shoot me a tweet, like give me a quick uh, synopsis, 140 characters or less on your opinion. Uh, do you think that the city councilors are currently getting too many perks like free teeth pass, zoo pass, housing allowance, parking permit? Absolutely. And I, th I think uh, that... Uh, that needs to be. We need to. We need to ask if those uh, if those perks are not available for people who uh, go to Tim Morton every day morning and make coffee. Uh, why those are available to those people in the city council? And it's not fair. It's not right. And indeed, those perks should be for the Tim Morton workers. And every day, those councillors who drive by Tim Morton and you know uh, and get their tea or coffee in the morning, they look at the Tim Morton worker. And they're saying indirectly, they're saying, "Well, oh, you know what? I, I don't, I don't care about you. I only care about myself." You know, it, it's, it's really we need to look the other way around. We need to, we need to rise the bottom up. We cannot just have inequality rising, and you know, and our society be be in in, uh, in bleeding all the time. So, I love that answer. Perfect. Uh, thank you again for, for coming on and doing this interview. You know, uh, election night's always special for me. I get to sit in front of the TV and I watch. I love watching election results. It's one of my favorite things to do. Um, I'll be doing it remotely this year because I'll be in North Carolina. Uh, so to my listeners, again, voting day is October 24th. Early voting opens October 7th to the 14th. Get out and vote. If you um, don't vote, you can't complain later. I don't want to hear you bitching. That's right. Um, I want to wish you so much luck on your campaign trail. I, uh, I, I'm excited. I can't wait to see what happens next for this city and, and also for Ward 21. Uh, thank you, Matthew. And uh, uh, did I get your name right? Ebeni? Ebeni? Yep, that's it. Okay. Ebony, okay. Uh, it's a, a very, very, it's a pleasure to meet both of you and uh, thank you and both of you guys got me talking and uh, just that uh, I hope I hope I really, uh, you know, brought uh, more more information and said more lights into the issues the barber community is suffering and it's, it's all about, you know, building our community together forward and we cannot just go back to old way of doing things, you know, it's just that if, if, the, if the horse is, you know, not not walking, we cannot just beat the horse to make the course walk, you know, we just have to do things reverse. We need to feed the course, right? We need to provide, we need to give milk or maybe we need to give water. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so again, thanks again. It's a pleasure. Have a good night, guys.